Hi, this is John with Prodigal Church. We're so glad that you've downloaded this week's message. Our online ministry has enabled people from all over the world to access our weekly teachings. We're so grateful for you, whoever you are and wherever you are. For all things Prodigal, download the Prodigal app at your app store. And if you consider Prodigal Church your home, would you consider donating monthly at our website, prodigalchurchfresno.com. Thanks again for listening online. Now let's dive right into this week's teaching. Merry Christmas. We're so glad that you are with us today on Christmas Sunday at Prodigal Church. All of our online watchers and viewers, wherever you're watching this from, we record our online services on Thursdays. And so our PC Kids performance hasn't even happened yet. And so we're recording it at 10 a.m. this weekend on Sunday. And so stay tuned. We're going to have it up on our app, on our website, Facebook and YouTube sites this Monday. Be sure to check it out. It's going to be amazing. We have the greatest kids ministry and the greatest kids volunteers and team who make it happen every single week. And your kids, they're the best. Being a kid is the best, okay? These parents on social media can attest. One parent posted, my eight-year-old in the car today, do you want me to throw the confetti in my pocket? Me, no, not in the car. Why do you have confetti in your pocket? Eight-year-old. It's my emergency confetti. I carry it everywhere in case there is good news. How amazing is that? This kid just walks around with confetti in his pocket. Another parent posted, Naya talking to her friend Amaya. Yeah, my mommy made some crusty ass pancakes. What did you say? That you made some crusty ass pancakes. And she gets the box and it's the crusties. Last one. My son asked me, where does poo come from? I was a little uncomfortable, but I gave him an honest explanation. He looked a little perplexed and stared at me in stunned silence for a few seconds and asked, and Tigger? Poor kid thought Winnie the Pooh comes out of our butt. So welcome to Prodigal Church. If this is your first time listening or watching us online, we're so glad that you're here with us. We are a church about two things, loving God, loving people. If you're interested in hearing more about our church, you can fill out the online connect card on the Prodigal Church app, and you can download that app wherever you get your apps. An author by the name of Bret Hart wrote a famous story about the Wild West called The Luck of Roaring Camp. Roaring Camp was the meanest and toughest mining town in the West. There were more murders and thefts than any place around, and Roaring Camp was inhabited entirely by men, except for one woman who made her living in the only way she knew how in a town full of violent men. Her name was Cherokee Sal. Eventually, Cherokee Sal became pregnant and gave birth to a baby girl. Unfortunately, that Cherokee Sal died in childbirth, and no one knew who the father might be. The men put the baby in a box with some old rags underneath her. And somehow that just didn't seem right, and so one of the men rode 80 miles to buy a rosewood cradle. When they put the rags and the, ba and the baby in the new rosewood cradle, now the rags didn't look quite right. So another man rode to Sacramento, purchased some silk and lacy blankets. The men lined the rosewood cradle with silk, tucked the new blanket around the little baby girl. But then someone noticed that the floor underneath the cradle was dirty. The next thing you knew, a few of those big, tough men got on their hands and knees and scrubbed the floor until it was spotless. 
And of course, then the walls looked terrible and the ceiling. And so they washed the walls and the ceiling and they even hung some white curtains on the windows. Things were beginning to look a lot better. And soon they realized that they had to give up their fighting. After all, the baby needed to sleep and babies can't sleep in the middle of a brawl. Besides all that, the baby didn't like the angry voices, the, the frowning faces. So the men started smiling, talking in a more pleasant and cheerful tone. These big, burly, rough and tough men speaking in high-pitched voices around the baby. During the day, when the men worked, uh, they were in the mines. So they set the cradle just outside the mines. Someone saw how bad the outside of the mine looked, and so they bought some flowers, made a small garden near the cradle. And as they worked, the men looked for shiny little stones that they could show the baby and watch her girl and coo. And when they held the stones in front of her, they saw that their hands looked black, dirty, covered in soot. They didn't want to scare the little baby with their scraggly hair and wild beards. Pretty soon, the general store was out of soap and shaving cream. In a matter of weeks, Roaring Camp was no longer the meanest mining town in the West. Everything had changed. You see, that baby needed them, but those men had no idea how much they needed that baby. And the story of Roaring Camp gives a small picture of the way a baby born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago can transform our lives and communities as well. Jesus changes everything. And he's not distant. He knows your stresses. He knows your addictions. He knows your dreams. He knows your desires. He knows what you're praying for. He knows what you're waiting for. All of us are like the men at Roaring Camp. We just have no idea how much we need Jesus. The Christmas story declares that you matter, that your child matters, that your neighbor matters, that every person on planet Earth matters. The gospel doesn't begin and end on the cross. It begins in the manger. It culminates on the cross and it ends with resurrection. The angels declare to the shepherds the very first Christmas in Luke chapter two, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The story of Christmas is good news. The story of Jesus is good news. If someone has told you the gospel, it was all about condemning people or that God loves certain people and doesn't love other people, then they were not telling you the gospel. The Christmas story declares God's love for the world, not God's judgment. And this is good news. The angels declare it that it's good news for all people, not just for some people, not just for God's favorites. This kind of love is far-reaching. It is to the ends of the earth. This far-reaching love is so wide, so great, so big, so vast. How can something so expansive and all-encompassing be personal as well? Love is always personal, regardless of how far-reaching it is. And the angel relays this to the shepherds and to us in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What do we know about shepherds in the first century? Well, 
First century Jewish Midrash commentary states that there is not a more disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. First century shepherds were at the lower end, the lowest end of the socioeconomic ladder. They were typically uneducated, poor, and since they lived among their animals in the elements, they stunk like dirty sheep. Many were criminals, or at least past criminals, and after being released from jail, they're forced to work the worst job. We often think, shepherds, that's cute, they work with, with cuddly sheep, you know, lamb chops is there. Did anybody else watch the show Lamb Chops while waiting to find out if it was Foggy Day schedule when you were a kid? Uh, also, I don't think Lamb Chops is a good name for a baby lamb, okay? It's kind of a morbid name, don't you think? Okay, I digress when Luke tells us that the shepherds were the first to be invited to see the Christ child. First century hearers would not have found this endearing or cute, but they would have found it shocking, even scandalous. Shepherds were so looked down upon that they were not allowed to bear witness in a court of law. If there was a crime and your only alibi was that you were hanging out with three shepherds, you were toast, okay? Those witnesses don't count. And yet God does choose them to bear witness to the birth of the savior of the world. Why is this significant? Because if the shepherds are included, then everybody's included. And these weren't just regular run-of-the-mill shepherds. They were night shift shepherds, the lowest of the low. And what does the angel say to these stinky night shift shepherds who were probably ex-cons? A savior has been born to you, and this will be a sign to you. Do you see how personal it is? I love those two words, to you. God is saying in those two simple words, regardless of where you are, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you haven't done, God has come for you and his message is to you. God has come because God loves you. God doesn't just love, God loves you and that's different. Love is not an abstract thing. We don't love in general, we love in particular. We don't love humanity, we love people with names and faces and stories. And we love with specificity because God loves with specificity. The Christmas story is so expansive, it includes the whole world. The Christmas story is so personal, it includes you and me. During this season, when we see someone with a Christmas sweater on or listening to Christmas music all the time or decorating their house, we often say things like, man, she's really into the Christmas spirit. But can I tell you today that to truly be in the Christmas spirit, it is about choosing to love others as God has loved you. To see your neighbors and your relatives and your coworkers, not as competitors or as distractions, but as people with out of this world value that God loves and came to rescue. This is what it means to be in the Christmas spirit. And it's good news. There was a young couple with an 18 month year old son who had gone to spend a few days with the grandparents at Christmas. Christmas day fell on a Sunday that year and the young father had to be back at work Monday morning. So right after going to church together, the young family said their goodbyes 
and set off for home. Now, there weren't many gas stations open since it was Christmas Day, but they did find a truck stop that was open. So they stopped in to get some fuel and to get something to eat. They went inside this dimly lit restaurant, sat down, and found that there were no customers there, or so they thought. But then little Eric, their 18-month-old son, said, Hi, Derek. Hi, Derek. He was putting together the two words, hi and there, and it made him into one. It was, hi, Derek. And every time he said that, there was a response from a table in an alcove near the door. Hi there, little boy. Hi there, little boy. They looked at the alcove and they saw an old, ragged, tattered-looking man. His coat was several sizes too big, and it was old and torn. His jeans drug on the floor. His shoes has holes in them. His toes stuck out. He had on an old hat tilted to one side, and his face was dirty and unshaven. When he smiled, it revealed that all of his teeth were gone. And yet, for some reason, little Eric was drawn to this old man. He kept saying, hi, dare, hi, dare. And every time the old man would answer, finally the man said, Little boy, do you know how to patty cake? And sure enough, from across this little restaurant, Eric and the little man start to patty cake. Little boy, do you know how to play peekaboo? Sure enough, Eric hit his eyes and they played peekaboo from across the restaurant. There was an instant rapport between Eric and the little man who was obviously a reject from society. Eric's parents began to feel a little bit uneasy. The husband whispered to the wife, uh, let's eat our food and get out of here as quick as possible. And so they, they gulped it down. Then he said, I'll pay for the food. You get Eric in the car. She started toward the doorway, hoping to get by without any issues. But as they passed the gentleman, Eric reached out both of his arms toward the old ragged man. The old man sat there looking up at mom like, would you let me hold your baby? Really, she didn't have a choice because by this time, Eric had virtually lunged into the arms of the old man. He cradled Eric in one of his hands and patted his back with the other. As Eric put his arms around this man's neck, it, he nestled his head on his shoulders, and the old man closing his eyes, he just talked to him. Tears streamed down his face, poured like a faucet. For a moment, he held the child and loved every second. And as he did, he looked at the mother and said, you take good care of this boy. She said, I will, sir. Then he handed Eric back and he said, thank you. Thank you so much. You have given me the greatest Christmas present. What was this man's story? What made him this moment so powerful for him? Did he lose a child? Was he reminded of the innocence that he himself once had? Did he have no family at all? We don't know, but God does. God met him in that moment in the embrace of a child. Because God's love is always personal, no matter how expansive it is. Jesus doesn't just love us. He loves you. He knows you. The Christmas story tells us that God's love is so far, so wide, so deep, that it includes the whole world. And the Christmas story tells us that God's love is so very personal that it includes me and it includes you. God, we pray in Jesus' name that 
the radical and scandalous story of Christmas of God becoming human to save us. God would change us, that we'd be different because of it. And that God, for us to be in the Christmas spirit this week and next, may we love you and love others with everything inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve and we have a 10 a.m. service. It's going to be an incredible time celebrating the incarnation of the Son of God to earth. We can't wait. God bless you. Peace in the Middle East and Merry Christmas. Love, there's nowhere.